Hello everyone and welcome again to another episode of Papa's Tackle Box. We're very grateful that you're joining us uh, on whatever platform that you get your podcast needs from. Thanks to everyone who's been following us and keeping up with everything that we're doing on Facebook, Instagram, uh, or even our website, LegacyCC.org. Also, a huge shout out to those who have given to the podcast through our website under the Give Now tab. Now, I know you all are waiting to hear what Papa's going to pull out of his tackle box today. So without wasting any more time, you are listening to Papa's Tackle Box. And here's Papa. Hey, I'm so glad you joined me again for uh, the time that I pull things out of my tackle tackle box. And uh, so today... I want to pull out of my tackle box, and I want to look into the book of Daniel. And uh, I know that in our government, there's a lot of things coming out that are trying to change our culture. And so I want to talk to you about how do we stand firm in a culture of compromise. Let me read you the story, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. During the third year of King Joachim's reign in Judah... King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his gods. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other notable families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. King assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, and they were to be trained for three years and then would enter royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah were four of the young men chosen from all the tribe of Judah. W.C. Fields said, It ain't what they call you, it's what you answer to. So, what's your name right now? What you believe about yourself influences every decision that you make. So, the names you allow to label you often title the scripts you live by. So, what you believe in dictates what you live out. So, labels define you. And maybe circumstances has determined your name. I remember that Buddy Gaither, when I first met him, when I moved here, he always just called me preacher name. Never by my name, just preacher man. This explains why the first goal of our enemy, the devil, is to attack your identity. The reason is simple. We've already been defined by God, our creator. God knows who he made each of us to be. And the enemy wants to give us a different name. Now, this is a big deal. Culture wants to change us. That's a cultural identity change. And and so the culture will 
Uh, you know, what was the first thing that's going to happen to Daniel and his friends when they get moved in? The first thing that happened in this story is uh, culture will change your identity. Now, what this means, this is a sign of ownership to obliviate their identities, to make you believe something about you that is not true, a lie about false identity. Culture is redefining gender, gender relationships, marriage, and, and all of this is causing confusion in our country. Daniel, what in the Hebrew means, God is my judge, but his name was changed to what says, Lady, protect the king, Belteshazzar. So his name was changed from a male name to a female name, uh, changing their culture, changing their identity. Hananiah, his name in the Hebrew, uh, Yahweh has been gracious. Now, they changed his name to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. Uh, other words, his name went from God being good to God being bad. We need to fear God. Mishael, who is what God is in the Hebrew, went to Meshach, which is I'm despised, uh, contemptible, humiliated. So his name went from confidence to coward. Azariah, Yahweh has helped he went to Abednego, which means a servant of Nebo. And so basically, he went from a son to a slave. The enemy is still looking for opportunities to cast confusion on our identities. So a name change reoriented their identities to become people who serve Babylonian masters. So the principle here is, when culture shifts, you must know who you are. Or if we don't, we're going to let other people define us. You are not what the culture says you are. You're not what people has labeled you as. If you hear it long enough, you'll believe it. Uh, we'll let our past define who we are. I know in one of the psychology classes that I took in school, uh, they picked out a student, and uh, our class, every time we went by, we had to say to this young man, do you feel good today? You, you don't look good. And by, the, by lunchtime, you know, he was headed to the, uh, to the nurse's office because he wasn't feeling good. You are who God says you are. God doesn't see what you are based on where you are now. He sees what you can become based on where he wants to take you. We must see ourselves the way He sees us. He created us for this season. You and I were born in this time. This is the time that He had uh, planned for us to be born. And He gave us gifts and talents to accomplish what He called us to do. When you let Him control your life, He gives you a new identity. Jacob was a coward, but he became Israel the nation of God's people. Abraham was a wandering nomad and a liar, but God blessed him for all generations. And there's Peter and Paul. Their names were changed. And in the second thing, when I look at what 
the culture will do. Culture will try to compromise your standards. The, the second thing that happened to them was they were assigned a portion of the king's table which violated the dietary laws of Israel. And these, these food, this food was also offered to idols prior to being served. So principle number two is when culture shifts, we must reaffirm our convictions. It's always easier to resist the winds of change if your roots run deep in God's truth. Convictions require you to decide what's right ahead of time, not based on what feels good or right for the moment. They're unmovable foundations upon which our lives are built. You see, I believe that uh, the enemy will, will use all kinds of enticements to try to pull you away. So I feel like that we're responsible for what we hold true in our hearts, God's truth, or will we hold to man's truth? So when we look at that, culture will create frustration. Uh, let me read to you verses 9 through 14. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I'm afraid, oh, O oh my Lord, the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine, it become pale. And if you become pale and thin compared to the other use your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested him for 10 days. Whenever our faith is tested, we must choose whom we will serve. The enemy uses tests to wear us down in his attempt to derail our faith. But God will always use the test in our lives to make our faith stronger. So principle number three is when culture shifts, we must respond the right way. God, God didn't call us to be right. I believe that he called us to be effective. Uh, it's not us versus them. Our goal, our goal should be to build bridges and love others, offering them God's truth. The way we handle adversity and affliction and the way we respond determines our faith and the rate of growth in our own lives. God tests us to refine us, not punish us. We're caught between two worlds. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is there's viewpoints, and then these viewpoints are filtered through our processing everything around us. So everything around us influences the choices we make. So our surroundings, our environment, our families, our music, TV, the books that we read. So, so we're kind of caught in these two worlds. We're caught in heaven and we're caught here on earth, and we're caught in the culture that we're living in. We need grace and truth. Truth is God's standard, or that's his word. But grace is God's favor. Uh, 
accepting the view, if you accept the world's view, view uh, it'll mess up your lives. And we, we need God's standard, His Word, but we also need His grace, which is God's favor. So without truth, we're corrupt. Without grace, we're condemned. Without truth, we become worldly. And without grace, we become judgmental. Truth without grace, though, is mean. And grace without truth is meaningless. But if you put them together, truth and grace, it becomes the medicine that will heal uh, the confusion and, and what's going on in our lives. Grace invites us to be free. And, then, and what that's basically saying is, I know what you did, but you're still welcome to come in and be a part of my family. But it's the truth that sets us free. God's Word changes us, not us changing God's Word. And I do believe that we're living in a, in, in a day that is swiftly changing around us. And in our culture, that is constantly telling us that we have to bow down. But we must know what we're standing on in order to do that. Now, there's a story in the book of John where uh, they bring a lady that's been caught in the, in the act of adultery. And, and these Pharisees, these, these men that are high up in this order, uh, they're trying to trick Jesus, and they begin to ask him questions. You know, what does the law say? The law says that uh, this woman has to be stoned, and that's the law. But what do you say? And it's a very familiar story. You know, Jesus begins to, uh, Scripture says he's doodling or drawing in the sand. And, you know, and, and, and uh, historians tell us that basically when the, the men started to walk away, it kind of went from the oldest to the youngest. And, and uh, that's history. And, you know, people say, well, what do you think they were writing? You know, here's a, a lady that's been caught, and how did they know where to find her? And you know, maybe he, maybe Jesus wrote a name like Sally and looked over at a guy and, you know, and that guy says, oh, he knows where I've been and, and kind of maybe he walks off and maybe just, I don't know what he was writing, but anyway, whatever he was writing in the sand, the men finally just moved away. And, and so Jesus, you know, says, where are your accusers? And she said, they've all left. And he said to her, I don't accuse you anymore. Go and sin no more. So he gave grace and truth together at that moment. Uh, truth said, yes, you des the law says you're to be stoned. But he also showed grace. And he said to her, you know, Go and sin no more. Where are your accusers? They're gone. So the thing I think that as, as culture is changing on us and, and we get aggravated and, you know, we want to tell them, we want to give them a piece of our mind, you know, because they're trying to change everything that, that, that we have been established in and we've grew up on and things are changing rapidly around us. So what are you going to say to people that are challenging you. Is it truth or grace or both? So we have to hold high God's truth. 
I'm not changing God's word for the culture, but at the same time, you and I need to freely give God's grace to people. We've lost, uh, these people have lost their way. They're confused. Our, our, there's just so much going on because they have listened to the culture that is changing. And it's changed who they were and, and what they believed. And I think it's due because of identity theft. And you and I, as we, we uh, are living in a fast-changing world, things are changing around us, how are we going to respond in this culture that's trying to change our identity? And uh, it, it's through truth and grace coming together, not just truth, but also grace. And uh, truth and grace, all of this will add up. And, and uh, you know, what did he say? Jesus said, you'll know, people will know that you're my disciples because of your truth. No, he said, they'll know that you're my disciples because of the love that you have one for another. When we add truth and grace together in a culture that has lost its way, instead of fighting one another, if we show love, love will work hand in hand with truth and grace. Instead of us being changed by the culture, maybe we can change our culture to follow God. So, uh, today, I guess that uh, kind of, I need to reel it on in. And uh, thanks for listening today to Papa's Tackle Box. So as I reel it on in, I want to say to you, keep fishing. It's worth it. Keep fishing. God bless you. Hey, thanks everyone for listening to Papa's Tackle Box. Make sure that you stay up to date with everything we're doing by following our Facebook page at Legacy Community Church. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at LegacyChurchFL. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Legacy Community Church. You can also keep up to date with everything we're doing at our website, LegacyCC.org. And if this podcast has blessed you in any way, you can also give through our website under the Give Now tab. Thanks for listening.